Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today, we're going to do a massive roundup of our favorite macOS apps and utilities, especially with these new MacBook Pros out, plus towels acquired by Life360 and some other talk about password management and such. This episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post, Comet Backup, ZocDoc, and Quip Smart Toothbrushes. You'll hear about those in a moment. And joining me from across the pond is my favorite Ted Lasso fan, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Uh, <laughs> you threw me there. It's going um, very slowly, actually, and very still as I hold on to my internet connection. Basically, I've got my new MacBook Pro. My old Mac Mini has decided, fine, you don't care. I'm not working anymore. That's how it's going at the moment. That's what's going on. I was wondering, yeah, William is uh, getting the internet through a tin can and string. Uh, connected yes. to uh, some cell tower across London, or uh, I don't even know something like that. Yeah, that's what BT calls their advanced system, the the string and mm. tin can. Yeah, you got to pay extra for that. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Clearly, you said your new MacBook Pro, and I thought I saw somewhere that you got it. So I have. new MacBook Pro is in hand. It's on my desk next to me. It's not fully set up yet. It's weird that you should say about apps and things because I was compiling a list. Anyway, as I was going through what must I move on to or must I have, and I ended up with about 15 or so. And Skype wasn't one of them yet, <laughs> but now it will be. Uh, I mean, you can try FaceTime audio. I still find, I don't know, Skype just is a little more reliable and less delay. I don't know. That's, I still find that. You are the only person in the world who has ever said that. Really? Since the development, since Skype was bought by Microsoft, I have never heard a human being say that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like FaceTime audio, especially if I do it on my iPhone, there's like a, a, de- a weird delay when I'm trying to talk to somebody. I don't know. All right. You don't find that? No, quite the opposite. I found there are times when I haven't realized the call was FaceTime audio. I go back into the phone to try calling somebody who just called me. They're not there. They're off in FaceTime. Oh. So yeah, it's worked oh. very well for me. Okay. Mm. Well, maybe maybe we could try it again in the near future. But we have a show to do. I want to do a bunch of macOS apps and utilities. A couple quick news bites before we get to all that. Big news is Tile, the location tracking, keychain tags. They've been around for a long time. They were actually acquired by Life360 earlier this week. Life360, if you didn't know, at least here in the U.S., is a kind of family location tracking, family management app that you can pay for. And so they have purchased tile with the hopes of kind of extending their device location tracking. And they've also acquired another company recently called Geobit. It's a company that markets cellular-enabled GPS tracking devices uh, with help designed to track children, elderly, and pets. So Life360 could be in a position to compete with the Find My network that well, we all use and love. I mean, I use the Find My stuff. Have you ever used any tile products, William? I've never actually seen a tile product in real life. Oh. No, I mean, yeah. Okay. They look very nice in the photographs, but no. Have I missed out, do you think? I mean, it's not from some deliberate aversion to tile. I just never thought about any of this until AirTags came out, tried them, found them incredibly useful. But No, I, I don't think you have. I think now with Air. Yeah, I, I don't think you're missing anything with tile. I used tile way back in the day and then stopped and... Once AirTag came out, I've gone full in on AirTag. I was wondering, William, have you had any recent experiences with AirTag that it helped you find something or locate something? Yes, I I actually managed to use AirTags and find my to find an AirTag because you know you got to buy those little um 
What, what do you call them? They're not like holders or lanyards. You've got to put something in. Yeah, yeah. I have two of them on my key ring. And the idea is one's for my keys, one's for luggage whenever I use it, but most of the time it's just on the keys. But I got a cheaper con- uh, holder for that one, and that one fell out. And I had to search the house <laughs> to find oh, my the word. air tag for it. But it worked. Well, that's one way to do it. I have used a couple times to actually find the location of something, but more recently, I've actually used the one attached to my keys. This was actually just yesterday as we record that I couldn't find my keys. We were over someone else's house and I couldn't find them. And so I used the little uh, find my app to make the AirTag make a sound. And it was loud enough to actually locate my keys, which had fallen on the floor next to a couch. I don't know if I would have found it uh, anywhere near as fast without that AirTag making a sound. So yeah, I'm down with the AirTag. I've been putting them on everything. I was expecting you to say that it had, the sound had vibrated the bowl they were in or something, but that's another story. <laughs> but actually, sorry, speaking of sounds, didn't you say on the special Apple Insider podcast that you're going to put a sound at the end of every shortcut on your Mac? Did you do that, really? <laughs> no, no. No, not every shortcut, but we were talking about Matthew Casanelli and I, which if you missed it, special interview, Matthew Casanelli came back on the show to talk about shortcuts on macOS specifically. And there is an action where you can have a sound play at the end of every shortcut or any time in between a shortcut. And we were talking about having a text expander replacement, meaning, you know, text expander makes a little pop or whatever sound once a snippet expands. And so it'd be nice to kind of have that audio confirmation that a shortcut has run and the text expanded or pasted. So I haven't done it yet, but it's nice that it's there. Now, a couple of updates to the Apple self-repair program. We talked about it on the last Friday episode of the Apple Insider Show, but a couple more details. First of all, it came out that a third party is probably going to be handling part sales. So if you go to buy parts for your Apple devices to self-repair, through this program that's launching next year, sales will probably be handled by a third party. And also, it appears that you'll need to provide a device information or at least device serial number when ordering parts. And there's a lot of still questions about this, like if parts will be available to purchase without a specific device serial code, because for someone who maybe repairs multiple devices or would like to stockpile some parts for different devices, Hmm. it seems like this program might not allow it because you actually need a specific device ID or serial number or whatever in order to order the specific parts. So more details will be coming out, I'm sure, as that program nears. But well, what did you have any thoughts on that? I wasn't very surprised that it was a third party because it feels like Apple does enough, really. <laughs> but that one, that business of having to prove each device, it can't be somewhere Apple wanting you to buy uh, all the tools, for example, new for every device right. you want to repair. It feels like it's not worked out entirely yet, yeah. uh, which makes you wonder, was it was the announcement rushed? It might be. They might have been trying to get ahead of that, you know, right to repair stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's not even out like in beta yet. So we'll have to wait till next year for all the details to come out. Now, I wanted to talk for a moment about password management. And I broke this out from the apps and utilities thing because this is kind of cross devices. With password management, I was listening to the ATP podcast with, uh, you know, Marco Arment and them. And Marco Arment, like myself, kind of straddled the fence with both the iCloud keychain password management and 1Password. I use both all the time, and a lot of times that can be a little complicated, especially on the Mac. Now with the new 1Password extension, both come up 
and, and there's just a lot of windows. Yeah. But I like the, my passwords being saved in multiple places. So my first question to you, William, is I, I thought you had used one password or still use it. Do you use both or have you gone one or the other exclusively? I'm exactly the same as you. I use them both. And when you try to log into somewhere and Safari and one password are going, no, no, use my version. Uh, it can't even today, actually, because I was doing a lot of installs. It was a pain, but it's a relief to know. Uh, with Safari, you have to be on the site for the password to be volunteered or you go into preferences and you have to search for it. With one password, it feels like you can bung anything in there. Uh, site licenses, software, things, anything. So one password feels like the better overall package. But the convenience of Safari going, oh, yeah, 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 that's the password you want. That is so good. I am, for the moment, using both. Yes. I'm putting up with the odd yeah. confusion. My next question then to you is this, because using both, one of the things I do with many of my account logins is two-factor authentication, which is that six-digit randomized code. I do that in one password, and it's been working really well. But since iCloud Keychain has added that functionality in iOS 15 and macOS Monterey, I want it to have those there as well. But what I have found is this weird behavior of when I set up those two-factor authentication codes in both places, I actually get a different six-digit number in iCloud Keychain. And for some reason, it is not correct. I can't log in with the iCloud Keychain six-digit number. And um, I didn't scan the QR code. I used the you know long secret code that whatever the account gives you to you know put in for that two-factor line so it generates the six digits. But I put the same long two-factor URL or code in both 1Password and iCloud Keychain. And for some reason, it gives me two different numbers. Have you experienced that or looked into that at all? Uh, actually, yesterday, I was offered a six-digit code. I think it was the iCloud version. And I couldn't seem to successfully enter it anywhere. It looked like I was doing that. I just decided I was really tired and it was me. But it feels like I've got the same thing then, which means it's not going to get any better, is it? You didn't send me a random six-digit number for no reason yesterday. No. <laughs> no, I did not. Okay, but you're gonna. I can tell. Okay. Yeah, no. Well, anyway, I'm just wondering what others have experienced. So listeners out there, if you're using iCloud Keychain with two-factor authentication codes, and maybe if you also use 1Password, I'm curious your experience. Is there consistency between those? Are you able to use both for the two-factor and they work both hand-in-hand? -hand? I'd be really curious because 1Password syncs incredibly well with those two-factor authentication codes. I mean, I can be on my iPhone, my iPad, my Mac you know, a secondary iPad, like my iPad mini and one password works flawlessly on all those devices. And so it makes me a little skittish about iCloud keychain and two factor support. I do really like one password. I've always really liked it. So yeah. Same. Can I just add? Yes, please sort me out. <laughs> Anybody. Thank you. All right. One other follow-up last week, we talked about Apple's current state of software stability and addressed John Prosser's video about saying that Apple software currently sucks. That was the title of his video. You can listen to last week's episode for the full discussion on that. But one listener actually reached out on Twitter. His name is Holger Fiallo, I believe. It looks like he's from South America. And he's actually visually impaired. And he had some things to say about accessibility. And when it comes to, you know, really using accessibility features and relying on accessibility features for either visually impaired or hearing impaired. He said a lot of times those bugs don't get fixed very quickly. And with new features such as focus modes, accessibility has not been as quick to uh, keep up with those features. And voiceover doesn't work very well with focus modes and things like that. 
There's actually a website, applevis.com, so appleviz.com, and it actually lists all the updates and current bugs and issues that exist for accessibility features on Apple devices. And so a resource there for those who really depend on accessibility features. And I thought that was an interesting point. That's not something that I depend on personally. And so it can definitely be at least unobserved or overlooked by uh, those of us who don't use those features super in depth and often. But I appreciate that feedback. And yeah, be curious, anyone else out there, listeners who might use accessibility features in depth for just really need to Uh, be able to use the device because of accessibility. Be curious your experience when it comes to bugs and stability and maybe even comparing it to other platforms. William, I didn't know if you had any thoughts about the state of Apple software. Oh, yeah. Well, I followed that thread you had. I was terribly disappointed because you always think that Apple is very good. This is one particular area that Apple's great in. So when they fall down on it, that's disappointing. But like you, I don't need the accessibility stuff, except for the odd little you know trickery with keyboard maestro or shortcuts or something. So I'd missed all of these problems where I was disappointed. I remember when I saw John Prosser's title of the video, it's easy to just read the title of his videos than bother watching them. Um, I don't I didn't immediately agree, but I hear the odd example. I know the discussion you had. Yeah, there are things that aren't great, and it feels as if things are not as good as they were. But then I remember I wrote a six-page memo about it would have been Word 6 for DOS, I think it was, and sent it to Microsoft. And the PR people told me that they actually cried in the meeting as they read all the bugs I'd found, and they didn't fix any of them. So I didn't know whether to be... Yeah, the software has always been a bit buggy. Maybe there's just more of us now using more of it and finding more things. Mm. I'm trying to be optimistic and pessimistic at the same time, aren't I? <laughs> right, being on the tightrope, it's all yeah. right. Uh, I'm not switching to Android because of these problems. I can tell you that. Though, so, yeah. No, 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 no. All right. Last piece before we get to the big macOS app and extension and utility roundup. I have a question for you, William. What mouse do you use when you use a Mac? I use no mouse at all. I don't like Mises. I love trackpads. <laughs> so I have the Apple Magic trackpad. And I just, I, I think I did actually get the Mac with the mouse um, a few Macs ago. So I tried it, but I, no, I'm a trackpad guy. And I, I, I don't understand the precision that, say, a, a graphic artist will need. But I find I'm pretty precise with a trackpad as well. So, no, nope, no mices. I think you're an MX master something mouse. Yeah, yeah, real strong <laughs> pro mouse user. Is that you? Funny you should say that, William, because I have been a Magic Mouse user from the jump. Oh. I've never used anything but Magic Mice, Apple's first party Magic Ma- Mises, Mouses. Yes. And I've tried the Magic Trackpad. I like it. I found, especially when I edit video and use it for an extended period of time, I get weird like hand strain on the Magic Trackpad because I, I kind of hold my hand hovering above it constantly with all my fingers in this like claw for a hand for some reason. So the magic trackpad, it doesn't work for me because of the hand strain, but I've been magic mouse all, you know, for years because I like the double finger swiping and gestures and all that kind of stuff. But I've recently been watching a number of videos. I saw a Peter McKinnon video. He's a guy on YouTube. who does a lot of filmmaking and, you know, creative stuff like that. Very big YouTube channel. But he was talking about his desk setup. You know, he's got his Pro Display XDR. He got one of the new MacBook Pros, all that kind of stuff. And he talked about the Logitech MX Master 3. 
And I've heard many people talk about this mouse before. And so I will reserve judgment for the moment, but I did get one. I have the MX Master right here in my hand. I'll even click it uh, so you can hear it. See that click? That's the mouse click right there. Ah, can't beat that. It's, it's very, Darn very it. clicky. There's, I think, you know, there's two different scroll wheels. There's a side scroll and a top scroll, and there's lots of buttons that you can program to do lots of different things. <laughs> and you can, can, you know, pair it with three different Bluetooth devices, including an iPad. This works with an iPad. So, and it has a USB charging cable on the front, and it can be plugged in while you use it. Imagine that for a mouse. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to rise to the way your voice went up over the charging point on the front. I have no problem with the charging point underneath. <laughs> well, because your magic trackpad is fine. It's just the magic Mises. You got to flip it over like a turtle on its back. I seriously, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. With the with the underneath the charging thing. Yeah. So like every three months or something, it goes oh, a bit low. So you plug it in, go get a coffee, come back, unplug it, carry on. Then at the end of the night, you leave it plugged in overnight. It's done. That's, I guess, oh, it's just I guess, <laughs> dreadful how inconvenient that is. You don't have to charge it often enough. Like I don't charge, I don't charge it nightly or daily. You know, I just don't, I don't think to plug in my mouse every night. I don't want another daily charge device. And it lasts a long time. The Magic Mouse battery will last yeah. a month or two, pretty long, long enough where you don't think to charge it until it's almost dead and you only realize it's dead once you start using it. (laughs) So then you run into the issue of, I can't use this thing and charge it at the same time. In my current docking situation here at my desk, if I don't have the magic mouse, I was kind of up a creek. You know, I, I guess I could flip open my laptop, but it's usually in clamshell mode. And so I'd be using a trackpad on the far right side of my desk. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on a minute there. My Mac will come up with a quite a scolding message saying your trackpad is getting very low, William. You should really plug it in. But that's you know several days before it's going to go wrong. You don't get any warnings at all. It's just toys with you. I get a warning, but the warning is such where if I'm starting my computer up for the day, if I'm going to record in two hours. You know, two hours from now it might be dead, and so I, I can't you know, just run the the risk, take the gamble that it will stay alive mm. through a, an hour podcast recording plus some. <laughs> so I feel like I have to charge it right away. So I don't know. I mean, listen, this first world problem, whatever. But all that to say, yes. I have the MX Master 3 right here in my hand. I'm going to try to customize every button to do something. Maybe I can even run a shortcut by clicking one of these buttons. I don't even know. I'm going to try it all and uh, I will report back. But uh, I'm curious, listeners out there, if we have any MX Master 3 users out there, if you're on the Magic Mies, uh train, or if there's some other magic, not, well, I meant to say like magical mouse product, but that that's like Apple. So any other incredible mouse that I don't know of yet, I would love to hear from you all. What do you use for your mousing or your meesing? I don't know how to say it anymore. Well, track padding. Be with me. Jo- track join pad- me. <laughs> Join me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get carpal tunnel if I, if I do the trackpad. I tried it for a long time. <laughs> Can't do it. I actually genuinely, I found it the other way around. When I gripped the magic mouse, I found my hand was getting very tight on it. I, I like this, the more relaxed open yeah. palm swipe thing. So it's funny how the same thing affects yeah. people in completely opposite ways. But good that we have the option. I also find this MX Master, it's much higher than the magic mouse because it's supposed to be ergonomic, but it's like, a full double to two and a half times the height of the Magic Mouse. And I have several times went to like 
slide my hand over to grab something and just knock the MX Master off the desk because <laughs> I'm used to the low profile Magic Mouse and this MX Master is like, I don't know, a skyscraper next to it. So we'll see. We'll see how long it lasts. This episode is brought to you by Bespoke Post. This fall, as you get back into the swing of things, Bespoke Post is here with a new seasonal lineup of must-have box of awesome collections. Bespoke Post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. I've gotten a few box of awesome boxes, and I love all of them. One of my favorite boxes came with a travel day bag. It's a beautiful canvas bag with leather straps, and it feels rustic and classic all at the same time. And I just love everything that comes in these boxes of awesome. So no matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered from autumn craft beers to cozy threads and camping gear essentials. Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. Some of their new collections includes the desktop flame miniature thing to put like on a table or coffee table. Plus again, some of that camping gear, like the knives and cooking tools, very chic. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com and your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories and it's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel anytime. And each box only costs $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Plus, with each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses, and that's what matters. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from small, up-and-coming brands. So get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code APPLEINSIDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, promo code APPLEINSIDER, all one word, for 20% off your first box. And that link will be in show notes as well. Our thanks to Box of Awesome from Bespoke Post for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Comet Backup. Listen, in case you didn't know, backing up your data is very important. I've had hard drives in the past fail me with pictures and sensitive documents and video files and losing data is just a terrible sinking feeling. You do not want to be in that position, especially when you have your main computer, your main Mac or PC and you for sure don't wanna lose any of that data. So whether you get hit with ransomware, it's a hardware failure or just human error, data loss can be a business ending event. So what measures do you have in place to guard against disaster? Now you might have some files backed up on a hard drive in your office, but stuff happens to those external hard drives as well. And backups are your final stand when a threat penetrates your layers of defense. Well, Comet Backup is a fast, flexible backup option for businesses and IT providers. You can protect Mac, Linux, or Windows, and you have total control over your data. With Comet, you aren't locked into backing up to iCloud. You choose where the data is stored, and you can back up to local on-premises storage or any of the leading cloud providers to slash your storage costs. Host the servers yourself, or Comet can host them for you. Comet Backup grows with your business and has scalable per-device pricing. Secure encrypted backup software for computers, emails, databases, and servers from Comet Backup. You can test drive Comet Backup with a 30-day free trial and then get $50 of free credit when you sign up with the promo code APPLEINSIDER, all one word. So start running backups in 15 minutes or less at CometBackup.com. You'll find that link in the show notes as well. Our thanks to Comet Backup for sponsoring this episode. Okay, big macOS app and utility and extensions roundup. I thought this would be apropos. If you're listening to this, the day comes out, which many of you do, or the weekend, it's Black Friday. Maybe you got a new Mac recently, a new MacBook Pro, or you're just looking to see what uh, apps might be for sale. You know, there's Black Friday deals going on all over the place. Obviously, stay tuned to AppleInsider.com because we have deal posts going up 
constantly, all the time. Black Friday deals, stuff on Amazon. You can get a pair of AirPods Pro for $170 on Amazon. What in the world? Like cheaper than the new AirPods 3? The, the world just doesn't make sense, William. When it's Black Friday season, nothing nothing makes sense. <laughs> what makes sense to me is that I keep finding deals for things I've already bought. It's like, don't. Yeah, that's, but, that yeah. is the unfortunate part. <laughs> now, do you call it uh, Black Friday over there in London? Do you have some fancy name for it, like the Q or Poppers? <laughs> uh, Black Friday is actually really new in the UK, but um, it is called by that now. It can't be more than four or five years at the absolute most before it was even heard of. But now we have it just like you and the same sales at pretty much the same time. So yes, we are being Americanized in that way. And how dare we get uh, money off holiday periods? Gosh, America, what are you doing to us? Can you do some more? So I'm going to break this down into apps and then utilities, kind of separating them into those two categories because apps are like things you use on screen with for extended periods of time. Utilities can be in the background, you activate it with a keyboard shortcut. Maybe it's in the menu bar. It lives up there. So I thought it'd be a, a good distinction there between those two. But maybe we could go back and forth a little bit, William. I'll name three of my current favorite and really useful apps. And uh, then maybe you can name a few. And then we'll go back and forth. And we'll see how it goes. Yes. Here's my first three. Number one, if you ever have reason to download a YouTube video, honestly, video content uh, across any website. You know, maybe it's Vimeo, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's video in a tweet. This app can handle pretty much all of it and download the video file directly as an MP4. Or if you just want the audio, it can download the audio only as well. You can add a bunch of them to your queue. And it's been so solid since I've been using it for the past year or so. But this app is called Downy, D-O-W-N-I-E. It's from Charlie Monroe. And I highly, highly recommend it. You know, there's different ways to download YouTube videos and other video content from like social media platforms. A lot of those can be janky or updates are difficult. You can do it through Homebrew and Terminal and you can do it through that way. But I have found Downy to just be incredible. It's available via Set App if you subscribe to that, or you can just purchase it individually. It's 20 bucks for an individual license. And again, if you do anything like that often or like to pull video content from websites, even if it's like news websites, maybe you do something where you need to pull news clips from just different websites. Again, highly recommend Downey, D-O-W-N-I-E. And of course, links to everything we talk about will be in the show notes if you'd like to find it there. So Downey, definitely two thumbs up. Secondly, for package tracking or parcel tracking, as they say in the UK, isn't that what you call it? What do you call a package, William? Is it a parcel? Troublesome. That's what we call it. <laughs> okay. uh, bothersome, bothersome. Waiting. Yeah, but... Parcel more often than anything else, yes. Right. Parcel or pack. No, you're right. Packages. Oh, my God. You're influencing us on our language yeah. as well now. Oh. <laughs> yep, just influencing okay. it all. Well, because this is a UK term, maybe that's why I never searched for it. But a delivery app called Parcel, P-A-R-C-E-L. I've typically used the Deliveries app for a long, long time. I really like the Deliveries app. I still may continue to use it. But Parcel, I heard it recommended on another show. And I've been trying that out. It's cross-platform. You can use it on your iPhone, iPad, and your Mac. It's something like $5 a year to unlock all the features. And it can do things like integrate with your Amazon account and automatically pull in Amazon orders just by itself automatically. You don't even have to add them individually once you log into your Amazon account. It gives you notifications. You can track it on the maps, all that. Parcel, it's great for tracking packages, parcels, or deliveries, whatever you'd like to call it. 
And on secondly, I would also recommend deliveries because I've been using that for a long time and pretty happy with it. And my third recommendation for right now is an app for the Mac, and I believe this is on other platforms as well, but I use it on the Mac mainly, is an app called Pastel. This is by developer Stephen Trotton-Smith. And Pastel is a app to manage colors, color boards, brand colors. And if you work in graphic design or web design, I use it specifically for some websites that I make, you can create palettes of color and save it in that Pastel app. You can even, this is the cool part, you can take a screenshot or any image, pull the image into the Pastel app, and it will automatically detect the colors from that image and import them. And then you can copy the hex code, the RGB codes, and you can just right-click and copy any of those options for whatever color you have in the app and paste that wherever. So if you're dealing with web design, that's very helpful. Graphic design and you want the exact hex code, really, really useful. And you can create custom palettes. You can have folders and collections. So if you work with color at all, whether it's branding, graphic design, or web development, I highly recommend Pastel by Stephen Trotton-Smith. It's very cool. All right, William, why don't you give me a few of your favorite Mac apps that, or current Mac apps that you've been using? This is so me. Basically, I suggest you go off and get a, a cup of coffee, a meal, maybe a, a decent lunch, because I have so many apps. You, oh, you're looking at me. You only want a few. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me start with this one, because I've kind of re-fallen in love with it. Default folder X. And it is X, by the way. I can't it when people talk about Logic Pro X and they mean 10. This is default folder X. A reason I fell back in love with it is I didn't move it onto my new MacBook Pro at first and instantly found how much I missed it. It converts every open and save dialog box in every app to give you quick route to favorite folders, favorite files, and a much faster way of kind of navigating through your entire uh, Mac folder. Uh, structure for it. Uh, it's just, that sounds so little, uh, given how much I use it. But it's in every open and save dialog box. It's also in every finder window. There's a menu bar option for it. So I can fly. There's, there's lots of jobs where I need a file from this folder and I have to end it up in that folder. And this just makes it a snap to go back and forth between each of them. So default folder X, um, I loved it before. I love it again <laughs> now. Uh, you heard of that one? Maybe a long time ago, but I'm looking at it right now, and I'm I'm very curious about trying this. So it looks very cool. Oh well, in that case, uh, now now is the time to come back. <laughs> okay. Can I have two from the same company? Is that? Oh, absolutely, right? please. Yeah. Omni Outliner. Mm. Omni Outliner and Omni Focus. Uh, Omni Focus is the easiest to explain because it's like it's bionic to-do app. I mean, more than a to-do app, it always feels to me like it's a, a can-do app. So yeah, it will list the things I've said I must get done today. But also, you know, you're waiting for a train, you're waiting to do something. You Across all your jobs, all your work, you can just say, show me all the phone calls I've got to make. I've got 10 minutes. What phone calls can I make? And you can start knocking them off. It presents you with things you can do as well as must. And I think it, it's incredibly powerful and maybe too powerful for many people. It's like uh, things and OmniFocus, you really need a to-do app if you're going to use them. But when you do need it, OmniFocus rules my life. And then OmniOutliner is the one I'm, I'm honestly surprised. I tried OmniOutliner because I liked OmniFocus so much. I wanted to see what else the company did. I loathe outlining. 
Uh, I'm a writer who would rather just write, see what happens, throw things away if it doesn't work. I'm not into planning uh, books and things like that. Occasionally, contractually, you have to, and it's very useful for that. But Omni Outliner is really superb at um, ideas. It lets you chuck down a couple of thoughts and then slowly expand them, massage them, move them around, expand out. And the example I got is somebody asked me if I would do a day's uh, writing conference for them. So obviously I said yes. Um, and then they immediately came back and asked what I would do for the entire day. I had 20 minutes to knock up an entire day's schedule for this writing conference. And I did because of Omni Outliner. You know, I will say I've used OmniFocus in the past and it is ex it is extremely powerful. And for some people, it is, you know, definitely try it because for major project management, really granular control of your tasks, it's really excellent. I have, it's just, I get so involved in like the wanting to detail out every part of my task list in OmniFocus that I end up just doing OmniFocus all day. So I, I try to uh, use a, a simpler project management task app, but OmniFocus is incredible. And the Omni group, all their products are, again, incredible. So we'll link to all of that. I just like the people at Omni as well. It's it's great. when you, It's like when you interview uh, an artist you really like and you find out they're, they're nice people, which quite often doesn't happen. It's a similar thing with Omni. Great software, great people, really good company. So Yes, people are awesome as well. Speaking of to-do apps, I will say one of my favorite tasks managers, project management apps, and the one I use for my to-dos is Things by Cultured Code. I love the design of Things. It's cross-platform. I use it on all my devices. And it gives me enough control over projects and tags. They actually now have markdown support inside the notes section of any individual task. So it is really, uh, it's powerful, but it's also beautifully designed. And that helps me manage my things, <laughs> my things to do. Uh, altogether. So I love Things 3 across all platforms. I still actually use Reminders as well for other things because asking Siri just to remind me of something quickly at a certain time or date or later today, it's just super convenient. And so I still kind of use Reminders for little things here and there, but Things is my main task and project management application. Speaking of tasks, if you ever have to do graphic design work or whether it's light or heavy, you know, you have the whole Adobe Creative Suite, but I kind of moved away from that a while ago because I didn't want to pay for the subscription. So I use Pixelmator Pro everywhere. Pixelmator is an incredible app. You've probably heard about it before, but if not, if you're looking for an app where you can do some photo editing, graphic design, create some graphic assets, Pixelmator Pro is just an incredible tool. Again, it's available on Mac, iPad, and even iPhone. And it's, I don't know, it's just incredible. I don't know what else to say about it. Pixelmator Pro, highly recommend that. I've also transitioned a lot of my news reading to RSS feeds. So rather than going to a bunch of different websites, I pull in the RSS feeds. Kind of back in the day, if you were a Google Reader user or you used some of those RSS reading apps, you know, way back when, I encourage you to try it, take it back up again. I've been using Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R, for my RSS feed management. And Reader is cross-platform. You can have Reader on your iPhone, iPad, and Mac. It's got great Read It Later features. It syncs all your feeds and folders, your unreads. And I have some shortcuts that I've built with Reader where I can pull some clean links, whatever article I'm reading with the share button, and put it in a note to keep for later. And so Reader, great way to manage RSS feeds and read some news there. I also do like YouTube channels 
and some podcasts in the Reader app just to quickly see if there's a new episode because that RSS feed is always going to be the fastest way to see that kind of stuff. And finally, for the Mac, if you do anything with audio, I've mentioned these apps before, but I'll mention them again. Rogue Amoeba makes incredible apps for the Mac when it comes to audio. MacAudio.com is the website. I use Audio Hijack multiple times every week to record shows, multiple channels, recording guests. Audio Hijack is super powerful, but if you just want a simple recording software for you know personal individual use, you just want that local backup recording, or maybe you do some you know screen grabs or things like that, They also make an app called Piezo, P-I-E-Z-O, and it's like QuickTime in that it's a simple recording app, but I find Piezo to be more reliable, more stable, and just a little inside baseball, Andrew O'Hara, when we record HomeKit Insider, he's been struggling with QuickTime on his macro, believe it or not. Like, it's just not recording a single file form. It keeps stopping. So if you want just a solid recording experience with a simple-to-use app, I highly recommend Piezo from Rogue Amoeba and their website is macaudio.com. And before we get to utilities, William, any other apps that you would like to recommend for the Mac? Well, yeah, but apart from Piezo, I use all of those that you just mentioned. I thought I was going to name all of those (laughs) that you mentioned. So thanks. All right, what's left? Um, Some really specific... Oh, no, no, no. I know it's kind of a utility. Leave that one for a minute. Don't Ask me about Hook Mm. in the moment. Um, I suppose Fantastical, the calendar app. I write scripts, so Final Draft 12 is good. Final Cut Pro is is a dream. (laughs) Oh, I... Highly recommend that, yes. Now, everything else I've got is utilities, so, yeah. Uh, but, oh, God, oh nuts. Uh, does Keyboard Maestro count as a utility or an app? Because you can spend your life building Keyboard Maestro macros. It's a utility. But uh, there you go. I've snuck ahead. You have inadvertently transitioned us to the utilities, yes. <laughs> you've, oh, you've look at that. What there. a segue. Yes. This episode is brought to you by our friends at ZocDoc. Has this ever happened to you when you need to see a doctor? You probably need to see one pretty quickly if there's an issue and you find one online and it looks good. You call, you're on hold, you try to make your appointment and you don't find out until you get there that they don't take your insurance. That's such a frustrating experience. Plus, it's a frustrating experience just trying to make an appointment at a physical doctor's office. Well, that's why ZocDoc can help. You can download the free, yes, it's a free app, ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C, The ZocDoc app is the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. When you search in that app, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance and you can even read verified patient reviews, book an appointment in person or a video chat appointment and you book it all there right in the app. You never have to call or wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need primary care, dentist, dermatologist, eye doctor, ZocDoc has you covered. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and you can download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. I've used ZocDoc to find local doctors and I have confidence they can take my insurance. I see the reviews and I can make an appointment right there in the app. Many appointments are available as soon as today. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy and now is the time to prioritize your health. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. That link will be in show notes as well. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Quip. Good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. 
Listen, if there's one thing I know I want to keep up with throughout my life, it's my teeth. It's never fun to go to the dentist, but if you can be confident about the work you've been doing at home, brushing well and flossing, then going to the dentist doesn't have to be such a stressful experience. And that's where the Quip electric toothbrush comes in. There's over 7 million mouths out there using the Quip electric toothbrush. It has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide you through a dentist-recommended two-minute clean because you want to be brushing your teeth for at least two minutes. It's lightweight, sleek design. There's a multi-use travel cover that actually doubles as a mirror for less clutter when you're traveling. And then you can even track and improve your brushing using the free Quip app. Beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. They have two ways to floss, which is the floss string that expands to clean or reusable floss pick that replaces over 180 disposable picks with every refill. I got to be honest, I'm big on flossing, so you want to try those. I'd also recommend I have kids and getting an electronic toothbrush like this, not only is it fun to use for kids, but it can really signal to them that two minutes is up. They've brushed their teeth for the right amount of time and Quip makes electric toothbrushes sized just for kids. And their toothbrushes are Bluetooth and they can connect to that app on your phone and you can see all the stats of how you're doing and how your kids are doing brushing their teeth. So go to getquip.com slash Apple Insider right now and you'll get your first refill for free. That's the first refill for free at getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Apple Insider. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Apple Insider. Quip is the good habits company. Our thanks to Quip for sponsoring this episode. So utilities, got a bunch of these as well. I'm going to include some Safari extensions as well because they're kind of utilities. And so uh, let's go four for four on this. I'll do four and you can name some of yours. Okay. When it comes to utilities, now that I have the new MacBook Pro with a notch, the menu bar icons become a little unwieldy. I've actually found that at certain points, certain menu bar icons that I needed to access, like the shortcuts icon, would disappear under the notch because I have too many icons up there. I have Pastebot, 1Password, Fantastical. I also have things like Hazel and Elgato Control Center, Text Expander, and a couple other ones that I've added, my focus mode icon. And so I have found that it is not tenable to have that many menu bar icons with a notch because they just get hidden underneath. So I have gone back to using Bartender, which is an incredible Mac utility where you can customize where your menu bar icons are located, the order, which ones appear kind of above the fold, and if they expand when you just put your mouse in the menu bar. So especially if one of the new MacBook Pros with that notch, Bartender is probably a key utility that you need to try out. Secondly, I recently heard on a podcast with Mike Hurley from Relay FM, Rocket. Rocket is a Mac utility that makes it easy to type emojis. Now, if you use emojis on Mac, like if you're using the Messages app or even in an email, sometimes getting to the emoji keyboard or finding an emoji can be a little bit of a chore. And so Rocket is this little utility that runs in the background and I can type colon and whatever word. I can do like colon thumbs up or colon eye roll or something. And it will search all the emojis right there in line as I type in any app across macOS. And I can quickly insert emojis faster than I ever could before. And I know all those touch bar fans out there might have experienced something like this because you could access emojis there. But this is like emoji search with instant insertion 
using the Rocket Utility. And that's R-O-C-K-E-T. Of course, link to that will be in the show notes as well. But if you use a lot of emojis or just like to be able to type them quickly, Rocket, highly recommend. Also, with the notch on the Mac, I've been rocking just the regular menu bar. I'll just look at the notch when I have it up there and it doesn't bother me too much. But if you want to get rid of the notch or at least hide it by making the menu bar black, I recommend Top Notch, T-O-P Notch, Top Notch. It's actually a completely free app and it's a developer that makes other applications that are really useful and those are paid apps. But Top Notch is totally free and it lets you hide the notch either by making the menu bar black or kind of placing the entire screen below the, the notch. And so I highly recommend if you want to do something to hide it. So top notch. And fourthly, and then I'll throw it to William, in this is an extension for Safari called Super Agent. Super Agent is an extension that works on the Mac, but also on iPad and iPhone. It actually automatically accepts and dismisses those cookie banners that you see all over the internet where it says, do you want to accept cookies or reject them? You can actually put some custom preferences in the Super Agent app, and they will automatically accept or reject those, and so you never have to see them again. It's not even like they pop up a little bit and go away. You just never see a cookie banner again as you browse the internet, and that is actually a nice experience. So Super Agent as an extension for Safari. William, hit me with some of your favorite utilities. Well, I do have a question about Rocket. Is there a setting in there that can make it slower and harder to get emoji or preferably impossible? Is that is that a feature they could have in there? I don't know. I'd have to look, have to look at the preferences. Uh, why? Do you, do you not like using emoji? Otherwise, I do think, actually, you, you've been peeking at my list because I was going to say bartender <laughs> as well. I, I've always liked bartender. I don't, I, the notch does not, I mean, in the day's use, the notch makes no difference to me at all. Maybe I'll change my mind after two days, <laughs> but I just don't notice it's there. But bartender is so useful. Even on, I have a very wide monitor on my Mac and I still use bartender because mm. it's just kind of handy yep. up in the corner. A couple of things. So, but uh, ones of mine that you haven't picked. Well, you've mentioned ones like you mentioned Hazel earlier, and I consider that a utility that's gorgeous. Keyboard Maestro, I've mentioned. All right, uh, let's go obscure. How about uh, do you ever use Pop Clip? Have you come across that? I've heard, but I haven't used it. What does it do again? Well, you know the way when you're on your iPhone, or your iPad, and you highlight it, you tap on it, a little black bar appears with copy and paste and a couple of things like that. It does that for the Mac. But as well as the same kind of iOS copy and things, you can add other things to it. So uh, I can highlight a paragraph. This will pop up automatically and I can click a button on it to send it off to OmniFocus, my to-do app, or to Google Translate, mm. for example, and things like that. So it's just a little... It's one of those things where you forget how much you're using it. So you're trying to show somebody uh, how to do something on a Mac and it isn't working because you haven't got pop Interesting. Okay. Check that out. I mentioned Hook. Are you already a Hook fan? In fact, was it you who told me about Hook I in the first place? I do not know what Hook is. I don't know what that is. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Hook is this gorgeous, gorgeous little utility where it hooks things together. So, for example, three times a year, I edit a magazine uh, for a company. And when I do that, it's a young writer's magazine. So there might be 60 young writers sending stuff in 
to it. So I have 60 documents to track and then whether I've rejected them or not, whether I've replied to them or not, cover design stuff, what the state of the file is. And there's a particular editor I have to work with, a bit of producer really, a, the client, who will send me instructions at certain times in different emails. With Hook, I am one keystroke away from looking up any one of those emails immediately or going from the magazine to the folder where the rejected uh, things are or the accepted ones. Uh, you can link stuff together. I mean, my accounts, for example, I have an account spreadsheet and I've hooked every one of my online bank accounts. So rather than going off to one password or to Safari and finding it, I'm in the spreadsheet, I need to know a figure, quick keystroke, and I'm in my bank account uh, looking at whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Anything you can link together, anything you use often, Hook can hold them in one place and it's wow. desperately good. Those are wonderful. I have not heard of Hook or the pop clip. So I'm, I'm going to check those out. All right. So a few more utilities. I like to use a picture in picture extension in Safari because sometimes the built in picture in picture does not always work. It doesn't force it. You know, some websites restrict that access or just doesn't want you to do it. So I use a Safari extension called Overpicture. And Overpicture, you can put a keyboard shortcut. I actually just have the letter P for picture in picture. And whatever video is playing in Safari, no matter where it's playing from or what website it's from, I just hit the letter P and it immediately goes into picture in picture mode on my Mac and it hovers over whatever other windows are on my different desktops. And I love it. So over picture, another one that does a similar function is Pipifier, like picture in picture ifier. And I'll put links to those as well. I always recommend if you have a Mac, you need a clipboard manager app. William uses Keyboard Maestro, which has a built-in clipboard manager. But if you're looking for a standalone option, I recommend PasteBot. PasteBot is an incredible app. It's super lightweight. I love the developer. They also make TweetBot, if, you're, if you use that or are familiar with that app. So PasteBot, great clipboard manager. And this is kind of a utility, but it's also kind of a piece of hardware. And I know William is familiar with this too. Stream Deck. Stream Deck is a physical physical button thing that sits on your desk and you can get multiple models, but then it also has the utility where you program what those different buttons do. And now that shortcuts are on the Mac, Matthew Casanelli talked about this in our interview earlier this week, you can actually trigger shortcuts from Stream Deck buttons. And you can also program a bunch of different things on Stream Deck buttons and have multiple pages of buttons. You can open apps, turn on Elgato lights. If you have some of their key lights and they connect to the Wi-Fi network, you can program it for a bunch of stuff. So Stream Deck, it's kind of a utility, also a piece of hardware, but I highly recommend. You still using your Stream Deck, William? Yeah, very much so. And I am an idiot. It never occurred to me that I could use shortcuts. The second you said that, I realized there's one. <laughs> one's going on there. The moment we've shut up, I'm adding a button for a particular shortcut. Of course yes. you can use it for that. Excellent. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, yes. You're, you're very welcome. I, I highly recommend. A couple more and then a question for you. Ad blockers. You know, a lot of people use different kind of content blockers. Some people don't like using them. To each his own. If you're going to use one, I've been trying a bunch of different ones. I've tried Cublock and OneBlocker and Magic Lasso. I've tried a bunch of them. Currently, I'm trying out Adblock Plus. It's ABP. And I'll put a link to that extension in the show notes, but I've found it working pretty well right now. You can whitelist websites. And so they won't block anything when you go to one of those whitelisted websites. And that's my current one. And lastly, for me is more of a question. I think you've mentioned this one in the past, but Alfred, 
as a replacement for Spotlight. Alfred is like that little search bar that can pop up and do many different things. You can also apparently run shortcuts directly from Alfred now as well with this like plugin from GitHub. Yeah. Matthew Casanelli talked about that as well. But are you still using Alfred and do you still love it? I used it about four minutes ago when I realized that part of my internet connection <laughs> problems today might be a particular app going wrong. So I did the keyboard shortcut, the same one for Spotlight, but it might it brings up Alfred. And I typed kill and started the name of the application. It showed me the name, showed me what percentage CPU it was using and wallop. Hit return and it was okay. gone. So yeah, I use it constantly. Um, I will, I've got to do a lot of, I use Wolfram Alpha quite a lot. So I will tap the Alfred bar, type the word Wolfram, enter whatever my obscure maths question is or science question, and it will then fling it off to Wolfram Alpha. Uh, that thing you said about writing shortcuts, yep. I do that. I didn't use the GitHub, GitHub one. I didn't know about that. There's a website called um, Packle. It's like Jackal, but with P instead of a J that collects a lot of these things, like the kill one I just used. And it has a shortcut running once. So, yep, the moment I heard about that, that went gotcha. in too. Uh, Alpha, uh, one thing I don't tend to use there, um, you mentioned that I use uh, Keyboard Maestro's Clipboard Manager, and I do, obviously, because I've told you about it at boring <laughs> length, I'm sorry, but I also use the one in Alfred uh, because it's just so handy to see. With Keyboard Maestro, it's great at handling past Clipboard Maestro, doing things with them. Keyboard Maestro will show you the last 30 things you did or anything like that, and it's very useful for it. Occasionally, I've also used it as a kind of shelf. If there's a file or a series of folders I use a lot, then you can actually kind of it's like pin them to Alfred so that as soon as you do the keyboard shortcut, you don't have to look for anything. They're all there in a little row for you. Mm -hmm. It's just Alfred is this endless mine of new functions. <laughs> uh, there's too many to possibly absorb at once, but then you get one and it becomes, why doesn't everything do this? Why isn't this on every Mac? So yeah, Alfred and the power pack that you need. Uh, Alfred's free for an astonishing, generous number of things, but they have a power pack option of like $20 or something, which gives you oodles more. And honestly, I would pay them that money just out of gratitude for the free stuff. So, so yeah, <clears throat> was that? could you read between the lines there that I'm quite keen on Alfred? Could you pick up on that? <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. So we had some listeners actually tweet at me some utility and app recommendations. So I want to go through those real quick. And then I'll have one final question for you, William, about notes and what applications you're using for notes right now. But our listeners, Wes from Apple Insider, Apple Insider staff and co-host of this podcast every other week, he said Sidecar. It's a built-in utility with macOS, but it lets you use your iPad as a secondary display. Sidecar is excellent, works super well. So great recommendation there. Then Lucas Pistrol, he recommended a few different apps and utilities. One is Clean My Mac X, which was actually a sponsor of this podcast for several times. Clean My Mac X is great, especially for like scanning your Mac, cleaning up files, all that kind of stuff. iStat Menus, which I've heard many podcasters talk about. It lets you see detailed information about your CPU, RAM, GPU, battery, gives you all that kind of stuff. You can put stats in the menu bar. I have not used it personally yet. I feel like that's a lot of information that, uh, I don't know, might stress me out if I see it all the time. So I haven't tried iStat menus just yet, but that is a very popular utility. And also Magnet. I had not heard of this utility before, but Magnet is a application for the Mac that lets you customize certain workspace layouts for your desktop. And it can snap windows to half the screen, a quarter of the screen, splitting it vertically and horizontally. And you can 
you know, save different workspace settings. So Magnet looks like a great app. So thanks for those recommendations, Lucos. And then Sandeep Roy, he recommended something that I had forgot about. I had used these in the past. But if you ever need to keep your Mac awake, not go to screensaver, not go to sleep for whatever reason, but you don't do that all the time, so you don't want to change your system preferences, there are apps that will keep your Mac awake and active until you turn it off, or you can set it for a certain timer. Those Two of those apps that do that function is called Caffeine. You can download Caffeine for Mac. It's actually a free application. You can start it at login. You can activate it for a few hours, two hours, 30 minutes. You know, it might be useful if you're uploading files and you want to make sure your Mac doesn't go to sleep in the middle of the upload. You can say, you know, keep my Mac awake for the next two hours so it finishes this thing. And also another app, this one's in the App Store if you prefer that, Amphetamine is an app you can get there that keeps your Mac awake and not going to sleep. So good recommendations there from our listeners. Did you have any final utilities that you wanted to sneak in? Uh, we didn't talk about Text Expander. We've mentioned it in the past, though. Yes, Text, of course. Of course, Text Expander. I still use it pretty much every day. Highly recommend. It's such an odd thing with utilities, uh, aren't you? They're, you stumble across them, and then they become part of your normal working life, and you forget about them. And so people ask you things, and you don't remember what you've got any of them. And yet, the moment you go to someone else's Mac mm-hmm. that seems lacking without these things you've come to rely on, I God bless the developers of utilities. They're doing amazing things for us. They do amazing work, for sure. And so to round out this whole app and utility segment, I just wanted to ask you, William, when it comes to notes, taking notes on your Mac or, you know, writing, not long form writing, because I know you have like pro apps for that. But if you, you know, writing, I don't know, maybe an article for Apple Insider or just taking notes, where do you write all that stuff? What apps do you use for that? About a month ago, if you'd said to me, I would have said I was kind of heading towards becoming an Apple Notes fan. Mm. Now, I'm an Apple Notes fan specifically because of QuickNote and specifically because of QuickNote on the iPad. The, it's better on the iPad than the Mac for some reason. The ability to just swipe up from a corner, jot something down, chuck it away and get on with what you're doing. I absolutely love. But that is for really small pieces of notes or when you're building up a long list of things, when you're compiling research. If I, I write articles for Apple Insider in drafts five on the Mac and on iPad uh, for it. It's very... I don't want to call it simple in an insulting way. It's a very strong text editor, but its biggest strength for me is it just gets out of the way. You think of something, you open drafts, you start writing immediately. There's no file new, no choosing templates like that. Just get on with it. And then when you've written, you can decide what to do with it. You can leave it there. You can copy and paste it out. Or from within drafts, you can press a button and send it to your blog, send it to a CMS email it to somebody. And I find I'm not using those functions enough, but it's great when you do. What about you? So I use Bear for almost everything. I use Bear for quick notes and for just like sometimes notes where I have to remember some few things, notes for a podcast. I eventually take our notes from Apple Notes that we share to do this podcast. I'll bring those into Bear to actually write the article for Apple Insider and then fill out all the HTML in Bear. So I really like Bear for pretty much everything. I use it on my phone, my iPad, and I I like having kind of one app to do long form writing and shorter notes. And just because then when I want to search for something, it searches all my notes, you know, from everything I've written. So I like kind of that one system for everything. And the only thing I use Apple Notes for are these shared notes as we prepare for this podcast. And because I copy those every week into Bear, everything, everything is in Bear. So I like Bear for a lot of things. 
I have been using Notion for a couple things. I use Notion for a couple collaborative features, some research that I've done. I like Notion's backlinks, the ability to embed videos and such. So I've been liking Notion a little bit, but I've been hearing more and more about Obsidian. William, do you have any experience or thoughts about Obsidian? Only the same as you. I've just been looking at Notion. There are things I don't like, there are things I do, and I'm kind of pursuing it more. And yet every time I ask a question about Notion, somebody, <laughs> people are saying, well, there's Obsidian, you know. So uh, I've yet to download it and try it, but uh, it, uh, it seems to be, it's the app of the moment, it sounds. It is. And there's alternatives like Craft that you can get on all your devices. And Craft is like a Notion alternative. A lot of people prefer that. But Obsidian seems to be like a more open and flexible platform, which it looks not as nicely designed because it is so utilitarian and you can do like third-party plugins. But it also just keeps all your notes as markdown files in a folder. And that's one of the things I like about a non-proprietary database. You know, even Bear, there's not like some folder I can go look at all my notes. I can export them all as text files or markdown files, and you can export your entire database. But Obsidian actually keeps your entire notes database as those plain markdown files in a folder. And then you can just always copy and paste that folder or do whatever. And CGP Gray on the recent episode of Cortex said he has switched to Obsidian for note-taking and script writing because it has some killer features. And so uh, it's in the periphery. I've looked at it, but I have not dedicated a lot of time to getting to learn it. But I don't know. I'd be curious if our listeners out there have tried Obsidian or I don't know if there's just lovers out there of Obsidian. I know there's a whole Notion Nation. I think that's the, uh, the short term for it. People that love Notion. But well, any other final thoughts? You could spend your life playing with all of these things, couldn't you? And at some point, you have to get on with work, unfortunately. <laughs> I know, I know. I like futzing around with it and I like upending my entire notes and writing structure just for, because, because it's fun. And then it's a, it's a terrible idea, but yeah. I like doing it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that was a massive roundup of apps and utilities. Listeners, if we forgot something, let us know. Tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. We'd love to know if you're using some incredible utility that we don't know about or didn't list. And then we'll do maybe a follow-up next time. We'd love to hear from you there. Also, it would greatly help out the show if you gave it a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Even if that's not where you listen to the podcast, just hop over to that app. Give it five stars and a review. We'd greatly appreciate that. And you can also support the show with $5 a month to get an ad-free, uninterrupted experience. And you can do that on patreon.com slash appleinsider or write an Apple Podcast for $5 a month. You get the ad-free version. The whole feed just changes over to ad-free stuff. and actually planning to do some standalone bonus episodes specifically for our paid subscribers. And so those will be coming soon. Don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider. That's our podcast about smart home and HomeKit devices. Andrew O'Hara and myself host that. Comes out every Monday. And keep your eyes peeled for deals on appleinsider.com as we head into the holiday season. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.